Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, a podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. All right, Betsy, here we are, 2024, new year, but same old problems, it seems. Uh, Portland not getting any better and probably getting worse, I'm guessing, huh? It is getting worse. And in anticipation of talking with you, I go back through my calendar. I see what I've been working on for the last little while. And then I ruminate on all of the incoming calls that I get from various and sundry people. And it was almost as though day before yesterday, a floodgate got opened. I'm talking on the telephone with a friend of mine who's a very prominent uh, Portland attorney. And we were just chatting about some legal theories on some natural resource stuff and and just having a regular chit chat. All of a sudden, I hear all this commotion on the back end of his conversation and, and somebody screaming at him. And then I hear my friend saying, put the knife down. And um, the long and the short of it was that my friend, while I was on the phone, was accosted by a knife wielding man. And um, it was in right downtown Portland. And it was so startling on my end to hear the portion of the conversation where my friend is trying to get this guy to disarm. The guy had an eight inch or so long kitchen knife and was actively brandishing it. Um, based on what I could hear and what my friend told me later, he, the, the, the assailant got very close had a child with him. Um, and so, it, I mean, that's just the kind of stuff that's going on in downtown Portland every day. The tents continue to proliferate. There had been a tent placed at the corner of Northwest Westover and Northwest Flanders in Portland. This is up in a fairly affluent neighborhood. A guy who has a long felony record and has threatened neighbors up there repeatedly with a metal pipe, uses their garden hoses in the summer as his shower and bathroom in their yards, dumps his garbage in their garbage receptacles. Some of those people are so frightened of him that they sort of leave out offerings to, to placate him. But they asked me to help get him moved. So I, even though I'm no longer a senator and I don't represent that district, it was just easier and faster for me to do it than to try to motivate their own senator to do anything. And so the long and the short of it is I got the guy moved the first time. Uh, they put some boulders in the spot, they being the city or the powers, put some boulders in the spot where he had been camping in a county-provided tent. And I'll be damned if he didn't come right back and actually was able to push some of these boulders in a way that he used what should have been a deterrent as now a fortification around his tent. And so he's right back downtown. And then yesterday, I got a call from a fellow that I met on the street when I was helping a woman try to find shelter and worked on it for oh, coming on two years. I met this young lad on the street who has a heart of gold and is constantly finding folks that are in need of shelter or shoes or coats. Um, the weather is going to turn rather dramatically in Oregon here. And this woman is wandering around on the street. 
Uh, my contact uh, at uh, Third and Washington said that he wanted to help her, and by extension, would I help her? And my natural inclination is to say yes. I had the opportunity to talk to her on the telephone, and I think that the proper nomenclature is florid psychotic. She is absolutely mentally ill. Um, but the point of the story is that I have tried to hunt for referral agencies that would be able to accommodate her on the weekend, given that she has no desire to accept treatment, no desire to try to stop using drugs, and is clearly severely mentally ill. And so I started calling some of the referral agencies that are listed as referral agencies, and I'll be damned if nobody's around. Uh, and so you've got somebody who needs help. Um, I'm trying to find the places that are out begging for money, talking about how they help people and are willing to be referral partners for other homeless uh, facilities in downtown. And if you're not open on the weekends, what good does that do? But the larger thing that it told me is that our system is so broken that we have no central referral. We have no way to triage people into services. And that's something that I want to talk about before we end today's conversation. That's one of the things that we are trying to achieve with um, fixing and improving ballot measure 110 so that we can use some of the giant amount of money sloshing around in this system to try to get a coherent and comprehensive referral pattern. If I um, were still a working helicopter pilot, and, and let's say I was flying aeromedical, and I needed to take a patient into a, um, a trauma center in Portland, they have a system so that you know which hospitals have rooms and which hospitals are accepting emergency patients. We have nothing like that, at least nothing I'm aware of, that allows us to take people off the streets, assuming best case, the person says, I'm desperate, I'm drug addicted, I need help. The worst case is that they're a danger to themselves or others. To the best of my knowledge, and I'm hoping maybe by me sending out this alarm over our podcast, I'm hoping that somebody will correct me if I am wrong, but I don't think we've got anything that approximates a coherent system. And I listen to politician after politician say, well, is all we need is time for ballot measure 110 to, to, to kick in and get to work. The governor was on uh, one of the morning news shows as, as late as today talking about we need to get this system. Who the hell's going to build it? The city and the county are still fighting with each other. Money is being squandered at rates that I can't even contemplate. We're standing up 501c3s with no demand for demonstration of efficacy. Money just rolls out the door. And this morning, as I'm trying to find some place for a, a very seriously mentally ill woman to land for the next several nights when it's going to be bitterly cold in Portland, I have absolutely no way of, of successfully navigating that um, with any kind of, of coherent system. So there's ODOT, which deals with transportation. There's Department of Forestry, deals with trees. There's no such homelessness department, is there? 
There really isn't. And you've got the city and the county at each other's throats. You've got a situation where the county has been buying tents for people. And uh, so you go down and you pick up your tent. And these tents are not insignificant tents. These are very fancy camping tents. And oh, by the way, they'll throw in a tarp to go with it. And so the person in receipt of the tent and the tarp goes downtown, stakes out a spot in our filthy highway right of ways, and um, stays there until the city, I mean, the county's paying somewhere in the neighborhood of eight, $10 million to do this. Then the city pays between eight and $10 million to go clean the damn things up. Um, downtown is getting worse and worse and worse. A well-known civic-minded uh, businessman here in Oregon has offered now for the second time to give money to ODOT to clean up the graffiti. But until we get a district attorney who's willing to prosecute some of these graffiti painters, um, uh, Mr. Boyle will pay money to have the graffiti painted over and these little slugs will come back the next night and paint the whole thing up again and nobody will get prosecuted and there are no consequences. That is just one in a plethora of reasons why we have to get rid of Mike Schmidt as our, I say DA jokingly, that guy doesn't prosecute crime. He's one of these, just give every bad guy some cocoa and a cookie at four o'clock and they're not going to be rapers and muggers. The number of prosecutions in that office has dropped like a streamlined piano. And um, we got to get rid of him until there are consequences for pulling a knife on somebody downtown, for painting the whole town in the most grotesque graffiti, um, in, in dropping garbage everywhere, in people camping in other people's yards, until there are some sanctions and some accountabilities, nothing is going to change. It is just going to accelerate and get worse and worse and worse. And that is probably my my opening gambit in the saying why I'm working so hard on trying to, to improve and fix ballot measure 110, which was a fraud perpetrated on the voters of Oregon. And now our bipartisan polling shows that 74% of Oregon voters, including 63% of Democrats, support recriminalizing personal possession of fentanyl, heroin, and meth while maintaining the existing cannabis tax for drug treatment and making treatment required, not voluntary, as an alternative to jail. And we can talk about all the details of this as you want to, but in my experience, people that are drug addicted or, or violently mentally ill are not the best judges of what's in their best interest as far as health care. We have got to, to fix and improve ballot measure 110 so that this tsunami of drugs that's fueling the kind of violence and, and um, criminality and uh, mental health breaks, psychic breaks, it uh, doesn't continue to just eat like a cancer at the heart of Oregon. If you're going to force somebody to do it, how do you do that? You got to have cops, right? So you can't defund the police and expect to just have what ordinary citizens just bring people in and drop them on the doorstep of a treatment facility. How do you how do you make this mandatory work? 
Well, let's fill people in that might be hearing this for the first time. The debate over uh, on what exactly it is, the debate debate over ballot measure 110 that was passed in 2020 is now no longer a, a constructive debate because on the one side are the people that support legalization of drugs and Oregon has become their bellwether of a national plan to make drug use and, and uh, drug possession um, have no consequences. They are fighting like crazy to keep uh, Oregon's laissez-faire attitude towards drugs in place. And they are saying, you know, when, when you lose on the face of the argument, you pull a racist card. They're saying that those of us that are trying to reform and improve and fix ballot measure 110 are just racists that want to put black and brown people in jail. That is absolutely not the case. What we are interested in doing is trying to figure out a motivator to get people into treatment. Because right now, with the decriminalization, uh, you get a citation. So I'm a police officer. I come on somebody smoking crack on the street. I give him a citation. I give him a phone number that says, call and you can get some help. The guy wads up the citation, uh, yells at the cop, never calls, and nothing happens. And money continues to just be hemorrhaged away on this broken system. What we are trying to do is to um, put some some teeth into uh, seeking treatment without putting people in jail and giving multiple off ramps for folks. So if I get caught um, using drugs, I uh, am given the option to go into treatment. If I am successful in treatment, my record disappears and it's a misdemeanor. It's only a misdemeanor. My record disappears and hooray, and I go forward into being a productive citizen. If I choose not to, to take that option, I get a criminal sanction of a misdemeanor and I come under supervision of a court or uh, the court system and probation and there's some supervision. And once again, an offer of treatment and we use some of the, of the cannabis money that's floating around Oregon to get a much more robust treatment um, framework. I can once again seek treatment and, uh, and have any criminal uh, record stricken from my record. And, uh, and so what we are trying to do is to say that we wanna prioritize diversion treatment and recovery over prosecution and jail. This is not this simple black and white, use drugs, go to jail. That is categorically not true. We wanna prohibit the use of lethal hard drugs in public places. We wanna make possession of uh, these hard drugs like fentanyl, meth, and heroin crimes again. We want to replace a voluntary system with required addiction treatment. And in doing so, prioritize diversion, treatment, and recovery over prosecution and jail. We want to guarantee that the taxes that are raised from Oregon's legal cannabis uh, framework are used to fund expanded prevention, treatment, and recovery. And then we want to greatly expand the penalties for drug dealing. And so right now we believe that the public is very much with an effort to fix and improve ballot measure 110. 
we are asking our legislature, 90 people, 60 in the House and 30 in the Senate, to actually pass a bill that does what I just laid out that are the, the fix and improve ballot measure 110 initiative highlights and do it in the legislature. If they are too cowardly to do this, that then we would have to go to the ballot measure. And we believe that once we take this to the voters, uh, even as far as a complete repeal, that the voters are with us um, and will will uh, will I think roll back ballot measure 110. Um, the, the, what's happening in Oregon is not encouraging, and this what, the ballot measure 110 was touted as a reform effort, but the policies, implementation, and enforcement measures have been by anybody's standard a failure. And um, since the ballot measure 110. Oregon has experienced one of the sharpest rises in overdose deaths in the nation and one of the highest percentages of adults with substance use disorders. Uh, the, the worst part is that now it is severely impacting children. Uh, there was a, a two-week period a little while ago when three children under the age of four overdosed after ingesting fentanyl. And worse than that, there's so many disposed pieces of tinfoil and other fentanyl paraphernalia dotting the streets of Portland, that if one takes one's dog out for a walk, the chances that they're going to sniff some fentanyl encrusted piece of tinfoil and send Fido to the uh, doggy emergency room is increasing exponentially. I, I mean, it, it just, I'm a native Oregonian and it just absolutely breaks my heart to have a British tabloid called The Sun uh, report on what's happening in Oregon. What they found was what used to be the City of Roses is now this squalid, dirty place. And, um, and I'm, I, I'm quoting from the story right now, uh, and here's the quote, zombie-eyed and writhing on the streets, a groaning man collapses on the pavement of Portland in Oregon, but passersby barely give him a glance. They have grown used to the sight of bedraggled addicts who huddle in sleeping bags, sending clouds of smoke from crystal meth into the winter air. I mean, this this is pathetic. And there's a school of thought right now in Portland that says, oh, if you say anything bad about Portland, you're contributing to the demise of our once beautiful Grand Dame on the Willamette River. I come from that school of thought until we start saying the emperor has no clothes, the legislature and the governor are responsible for this. We need to implement emergency fixes. Nothing is going to change. Um, and, and the storm clouds are gathering over the possibility of productive change. We're about to change in Oregon the entire way that the city of Portland is governed. And when I see some of the same old faces that helped precipitate this crisis wanting to run for an expanded city council, I am not heartened that we are going to make the hard choices that we need to make. So that's on the policy side. Then on sort of the mechanical and implementation side, um, you've got an organization called Central City Concern that's been around for a long time. And so the Oregon Health Authority, which is our 
public health um, state agency, uh, Multnomah County, where Portland is located and the largest county in Oregon and the city of Portland are each contributing millions of dollars to the conversion of a um, hotel, a, a, a hostel-like hotel. And by hostel, I mean a, um, not hostile and as in we're pissy about stuff, but it's a it's a hotel that was kind of a chic hotel uh, uh, mo uh, modeled on European hostels. It opened in 2021 on East Burnside Street. And now Central City Concern is going to pay a ton of money and convert this 60 bed uh, hotel into a drug and um, and uh, alcohol treatment facility. Only problem is they didn't bother to tell the neighbors. And so now all of a sudden, um, uh, the, the hotel is called Lolo Pass Hotel. And um, money has been contributed, two million from the city, I think six million from the county. And uh, the problem is that the city is reacted, reacting very negatively to this. So uh, our, our policies are broken, our implementation is broken, our fixes are not well described and, and sold uh, to, to the public that's gonna be affected. It just seems like we're just in this spiral of continuing to spend money with little or no um, positive results. Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.